I'm Brian Hyatt. You're listening to Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm in the studio with Rob Sheffield and Bernie Spanos. And we are inevitably going to talk about the Grammys. Now, I said last week that when we were talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that the Hall of Fame briefly seemed like it was in a much better shape than the Recording Academy because it was not actively on fire, which <laughs> the Grammys went on while the institution that governs it was basically on fire. Deborah Dugan, uh, the CEO, was dismissed and then launched a, a series of really alarming and grave accusations against the Academy, including rampant gender bias and, and some other really nasty things that the Academy in turn denied. And yet the show went on in very grand and grandiose fashion. It was a strange show and then it was already going to be bizarre. And then uh, Kobe Bryant died, which cast a pall over the whole thing and made another strange thing over the whole thing. So it was just a, a weird, weird night, albeit with uh, great redeeming moments. Brittany, what were your big takeaways from this very strange music's oddest night? I mean, they just gotta ha- they have to make sure to always highlight the new artists because those performances were incredible. I think like all the performances from the Best New Artist category were the only reason to watch the show. Just, I mean, ever, but like, <laughs> I mean, it was great to see that. And so I, that was my big takeaway is have Lil Nas X perform every single year. Every single year, exactly. Nominate him for yes. Best New Artist until the end of time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, he was nominated for Album of the Year with like four songs. Like, it's, it's complete. It's like, sorry, Taylor Swift, Lover isn't quite good enough for Album of the Year nomination, but Lil Nas X with your four songs, we're going to nominate you for Album of the Year just to guarantee that you will put on the best live performance in Grammy history, which he did. It was unbelievably great. So we're starting with the positive, and and that was, (laughs) yeah, that's that's nice. We should start with the positive, and that I agree. You know, uh, in my piece, I said it was it was kind of a utopian, hopeful moment, and an example of like what pop should be. That this guy who came from nowhere has brought together superstars from South Korea and Billy Ray Cyrus, and for some reason Diplo. It was beautiful and meaningful and joyous, and the performance was great, I thought. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It was a celebration of what pop music can and should be. Yeah. They sang The Body Electric, and then unfortunately actually did I Sing The Body Electric later. But it was... (laughs) A celebration of everything pop music is not and (laughs) and should never be and never will be. And never has been. But it was interesting because I, Lil Nas X have set, has said that he, you know, was insecure about his live performance. He canceled a bunch of things. And, and there he was, like, absolutely killing it. Yeah. It was crazy. And it was a real triumph for Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> Mason <laughs> Ramsey. And Mason Ramsey. Had a great moment. Mason Ramsey. And, you know, even BTS was, a, it was perhaps a, an underuse of BTS, but it was still really cool. And it I know was, was so really complaining. much fun. Yeah. I think for a lot of people who have not quite understood all of the BTS fervor. I think that was like a big moment. But again, they should have had more. They should have had their own performance. Yeah, absolutely. And last year, like that great moment, one of everybody's favorite Grammy moments last year was when Dolly Parton did her Lifetime Achievement Career performance. And you saw BTS in the audience singing (laughs) Jolene. And clearly, you know, they said that three-second clip was the highlight of the show. We have to get BTS on stage doing a very similar thing, singing a country song. Yeah. It would have been great to have BTS do a performance of their own material. Yeah, definitely. And Billie Eilish had an amazing night awards-wise. She was, I think, by giving her her big ballad moment... I'm not sure that would have been the performance. I thought it was great. I'm not Ugh. sure that that spoke to the totality of the Billie Eilish experience. I mean, that's like 
personally my favorite song from the album. It's a great song. Love that song, but the Grammys love ballads like way too much, like way more than an award show should for to how long it is. To a psychotic level, just a crazy and level. It, it's, just to be devil's advocate, like on behalf of like loving that song and that performance, yeah. is that my least favorite thing about Grammy performances is choreography and smoke machines. And that <laughs> stuff, it plays great in the room and it's so bad on TV that I kind of felt like somebody sitting down and singing a good song. It reminded me a lot of when Alanis Morissette did You Ought to Know at, at the Grammys when she was nominated, when she had her Billie Eilish year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she did You Ought to Know just stripped down and it really kind of blew the rest of the show away. Yeah. I, I hear you. And perhaps had it been the only person sitting at a piano or sitting near a piano all night, I would... I would buy it, but the the pacing was the most out of control thing I've ever seen with the, yeah. with the freaking ballads. Like just and the other thing I have to say that this Grammy idea that what the Grammys are for, and this seems to be like you know it's probably a Ken Ehrlich idea. Ken Ehrlich being the long time and now departing producer of the Grammys, the idea that you know what the Grammys are really for is to take a young performer who might be scary to older audiences put them in front of like candles and a piano and have them belt out their ballad and convince everyone it's like it's okay this person can really sing and i just find that a really boring like a deeply boring idea well also uh, it was missing elton john who loves to show up to do a duet with someone it was really that weird that he didn't show up for and that i mean elton yeah. john singing when the party's over yeah. with billy eilish would have really been a great oh my God. great blowout for ken Ehrlich. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually picturing him bellowing i'm a bad guy in the uh, uh, like in his like the new deep elton voice really cool. I'm a sad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> also also what a bernie toppin-esque lyric that is yeah. So smelling your cologne. We got to do the show over. That yeah, exactly. They need to go back to last week and, and Ken. This is this is the first official call for you to come out of retirement and do it all over again. Beautiful, beautiful man. Ken Ehrlich, the guy who invented what we think of as the Grammy musical moment, where yeah. somebody does a song that doesn't seem like their song, pairing up with somebody who doesn't seem like their people, and those yeah. odd. I mean, he brought that to the Grammys. He basically invented that. So you know, where you used to have. Kenny Rogers and Donna Summer teaming up to sing a Doobie Brothers song. That's the Ken era in full flight. And that's his great gift to Grammyism as we know it today. And I think we'll get into more details of the show itself. But more broadly, we've spoken about this before. The Grammys are beyond the Deborah Dugan situation. The Grammys have been in a little bit of crisis for a while now because young people in particular and black artists in particular are very understandably frustrated at the awards sort of inability to connect with the core of contemporary music and to honor, you know, specifically like albums by black artists just do not win album of the year. It's a real consistent problem. And it, you know, it it speaks for itself. You just look at who the winners again and again, when, when, you know, in any particular year, that's the year. But when you look at it as a 20 year pattern, it's quite bad and quite an obvious thing. And so there's a real frustration out there with this and and that needs to be addressed. We've spoken before in our annual Grammy episode about this, the fact that the other problem, of course, the Grammys have rarely connected with the core of the core of pop music that's hot at that particular moment. If you look at all the misses in the history of the Grammys, if if you look at all the people who barely ever won Grammys, like Neil Young recently said that he never won a Grammy for music. That's actually not accurate. Apparently, a few years ago, he won like Best Rock Song in like 2012. <laughs> yeah, 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 but, exactly. It, but I mean, it's, it's sort of like one of those things that the exception that proves the rule. Like their neglect of some of the most important artists of our time goes back quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's not a 20. It's a it's 
that's you know what the Grammys is is basically like a very awkward introduction between the old people who do the voting and it's designed to be voted on by old people like that's what the Grammys are it's what the Grammys have always been basically like and that weird sort of collision with you know music that at any given moment is what's liked by young people and that friction is really like the whole history of the Grammys and I would say that the show has been much better than the awards mm-hmm. people have, have criticized him a lot and sometimes justly there's been a lot of screw-ups this thing with trying to have a lord just perform a tom petty tribute was not the greatest idea in the world <laughs> he seems to have increasingly in, in the last few years butted heads more with young artists there was some something went down with ariana grande last year it's a little unclear to me exactly what it was but it's just that he seems to want to dictate more about what the songs are and what the performances will be like that the current crop of young artists are willing to settle for, which is, I think, probably to their credit. So there's a lot of problems, no doubt, and this show can be the corniest thing on earth. But if you compare it to the the miss, 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 miss (laughs) of the awards, the show is... I mean, would you disagree that that the show is really not that bad compared to the the problem is is more with the awards than the show for all what problems you may have with the show? Yeah, I mean, I think the performances, especially this year, there are a lot of really great performances. I mean, like obviously Lil Nas X, Lizzo, um, Tyler the Creator's performance was fantastic. I mean, even with the ballads, I, like Camila sounded great, Billy was great. Like you know, it's like the people that they were able to bring in and have perform. And kind of do what they do best. Like, I think, like, the Tyler performance is, like, a great example of, like, Tyler should have been nominated for Album of the Year. But, like, it's insane that we got to see that type of performance from him on the stage when he hasn't really had a moment like that at the Grammys. And probably most people wouldn't have thought that that moment would happen for him. And got to do, like, what Tyler does best, which is, like, have, like, a super weird, chaotic, just insanely set up performance. Yeah, that performance was one of my favorite moments of the the night, in part because it... Yeah, it did inject this chaotic energy into the Grammys that you so rarely see. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, in the old school sense like this, this is definitely like an old, like a punk rock, rock and roll kind of energy. You know, not since uh, Gaga jammed with Metallica have we seen <laughs> such an unhinged performance <laughs> at the Grammys and, and frightened an entire generation. <laughs> I remember all the tweets were like, literally, what is this? But yeah, no, it, it was... It had some really cool visual stuff going on. It's interesting, the whole thing of the super high-res screen behind him creating an environment. Yeah. That What's funny is that's very similar to uh, what they're doing on The Mandalorian. That's how they make, you know, it's this new technique where the screen is so high-res you can actually make an environment. And it actually, it's probably not quite as good as that, but it, it actually struck me that that is a way forward to make really interesting uh, televised performances. So that, that was cool. And his energy was really cool. And, and having Boyz II Men and Charlie Wilson was amazing. And, mm-hmm. and Boyz II Men were also really great at the beginning of the show in the yeah. Kobe tribute. You know, and they deserve credit for pulling that together at the last minute. Mm-hmm. But, but Rob, how do you see the kind of, I mean, obviously there's something, <laughs> there's something pretty corny often about the Grammys. But again, the show does seem to be does deserve, I think, credit for, for you know, for well, certain about, things. About 10 years ago or so, a little less than that, the beginning of the David Wilde LL Cool J takeover in, you know, like 2011, 2012. Um, I was doing a drinking game for us, for waiting for Rob to say LL Cool J. I waited yeah, yeah, like 14 yeah, yeah, minutes yeah, okay. to mention yeah. LL Cool J. That's why I'm still sober. Greatest, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> greatest Grammy host of all time. Bottles are popping right now in the studio. <laughs> and he was great, very graciously presenting at, right. at the show, sort of passing the torch to Alicia, who's a great host. But... The Grammys made a deliberate effort to de-accentuate the actual awards and make it a music show, and that's why it's been so consistently great over the mm-hmm. past eight or nine years. 
they give out, you know, six or seven awards a year at this point, and nobody minds. Nobody says, please give out more awards during the show. Mm -hmm. They make it more about music performances and music meetings and music moments. And that's why the Grammys has been so consistently great. I mean, you look back at the previous, you know, 15, 20 years of Grammy history, like all through the 2000s and 90s, and it was a really lame show every year. And, and, They've really sort of figured out how to do it to make it a celebration of music and not let the awards, which for the most part, nobody cares about, <laughs> like including us, yeah. to make that just a, a minor detail as part of the show. I remember Madonna said to me, because I was asking her about, sorry for that flex, but Madonna said to me when I was asking her about the whole, it was at the time when Kanye was, you know, again, like really talking a lot about award shows, and the, the Madonna quote was, don't go to award shows looking for justice, which is a real veteran's approach to award shows. But I think it's admirable that a new generation of artists is insisting on going to award shows looking for justice. I, you know, I, I, But nobody remembers who wins the awards. Like, that's not what makes Grammy history. And that's not mm-hmm. what we remember about the Grammys years later. And, you know, something you mentioned, the Tyler performance and, you know, like the Billy performance. We'll remember those after we forget who actually won best pop vocal by, you know, a left-handed Sagittarius. <laughs> but, but Brittany, you said- Elvis Costello, yeah. by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but Brittany, you said before that basically it's a generational shift in thinking and people do care. They want that recognition. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is also to point out with this year in comparison to even like the last several years is that they did bring in a committee to address the lack of people of color, the lack of women in the big four categories. And they did, and that is why there were, a lot of new voices and a lot of new people being nominated in album of the year. I mean, this is like maybe the first year in years that we've seen like several best new artists nominated for album of the year and song of the year and record of the year, which is insane. And they all perform there. And I think that's sort of what the shift is that, that they are kind of, kind of looking at the gatekeeping that has happened for decades now and addressing it, but they're also not addressing it in the minor categories where we still have like, best urban contemporary which what does that even mean and like <laughs> you know in comparison to best pop and like they're kind of just like arbitrarily you know siphoning off several artists to different kind of very racist categories that they have not addressed or changed or have thought about adjusting in any category i mean even a lot of latin artists decided to not go this year because the latin categories were not going to be broadcast during the main ceremony and they do want these awards they do want to have recognition in a more general Grammy award show as opposed to being siphoned off to the Latin Grammys, but they didn't show up because they were not going to be presented those awards. And also a Spanish artist was nominated in Latin awards, which is a huge controversy amongst those artists as well. And so I think there's just a lot of addressing that needs to happen in terms of like how categories are shifted, who's nominated, like who can be represented. I mean, this year did show a big difference, but people are going to care less and less as years go on, especially if they're being kind of treated like second-class artists well there were some you know just obvious simple things that could have been done the fact that they had best comedy album (laughs) (laughs) when so many other you know from latin to rock and a million other things weren't represented that was an utterly inexplicable decision especially the best part is did you see this so dave Chappelle was supposed to be not there but he was there did you know this they (laughs) 
they, they found a shot of him. He was in the third row. He just booked it <laughs> at some point. During, and that's the so, second year they've done that. So, they did that last year for Dave Chappelle, too, because he was nominated. <laughs> and I think they just they only did it because they wanted him to go up and make a speech. They're just The whole thing is to get Dave Chappelle to make a speech, and he just <laughs> left, which is actually it's just hilarious. It's just they must have panicked so hard when they saw that he wasn't there because they just they literally wasted however many minutes of precious live television time for absolutely no reason. That must have been the dumbest sequence of any award show. Like, yeah. best comedy album on the Grammys, the guy's not there. Then, of course, I mean, look, you know, with all respect to Ken Ehrlich, that the I sing the body electric thing was a self-indulgent waste of time, in my opinion, on the broadcast that could have been used for something else. Lana but, was right there, too. Yeah. That's the most offensive part of it to me, is that Lana was sitting right there, no performance time. She deserved it. She was nominated for Album of the Year. But, like, why have anyone else sing I Sing the Body Electric? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, no offense to those people, but, like, Lana was right there. And I think, Brittany, you liked the Prince tribute. Rob and I did not like it so much. Okay. I love Usher. And I was no happy offense for to him. Usher. No offense to Usher. <laughs> I Usher's he did great. A great job. His voice sounded great. His he. Th- I mean, I was very upset that Twigs did not sing because I would again pay anything for her to sing any Prince song but like I thought Usher did a fine job and I thought it was appropriately horny for Prince (laughs) (laughs) definitely like nobody's saying it's Usher's fault and something something I liked about Usher's performance was you could tell something about his body language and his face he was look look I don't know why this is happening like (laughs) it's true and And he he still did a split yeah Yeah, no he did like (laughs) and it's funny you know, when we saw Twigs, I kept wondering, oh my gosh, Twigs and Sheila E are on stage. Maybe they're going to sing Glamorous Life together. Maybe they're going to sing A Love Bazaar. Yeah. Nope. Definitely the last thing I would have bet on is, nope, Usher singing because nothing makes you think Prince like like a dude singing to himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another just inexplicable thing was just, yeah, like you said, to have FK Twigs there and, and she's in it. It's so obviously leading. She's dancing, she's dancing. And then it's like, no, of course they wouldn't have this brilliant artist just pole dance and not sing. That would be so offensive. And then then they actually just didn't. You're like, no, (laughs) no way. So I want to take a moment and talk about Vivid Seats. Staying at home is great, but eventually you just got to get out of the house. Whether you go out to see your favorite band or go cheer on your favorite team in person, you got to get out of the house. You got to have a night out. And with Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert of your choice, the sports event of your choice, whatever event you're looking for at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you might want to go to. On their site, you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. You can pick the seat you want. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive 10% off your first ticket order to save even more money. Just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. First-time customers can use promo code Rolling Stone. That's R O L L I N G S T O N E for 10% off your first Vivid Seats order. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code Rolling Stone for 10% off your first order on Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Now, I know that Rob and Brittany were big fans of Alicia Keys' hosting job. I was in in awe and somewhat baffled by the degree of calm she exuded. She was just, uh, you know, last year, Brittany 
tweeted jokingly that perhaps uh, Alicia Keys' edibles had kicked in during one point of the show. <laughs> and But I would say she was so calm. I don't think you... If there's really a brand of edibles that, that gets you to that level of, of pure calm, it really should be legalized because she was just... I, I can only describe her as placid, as just like she was in a bath rather than hosting a live TV show of uh, an exploding institution just a few hours of the, after the death of an American icon. None of that phased her. Nothing phased her. It was like she wasn't on TV. It was like there wasn't an audience. It was like the world was just an illusion to her. It was, it, it was, it was a profound thing going on with Alicia Keys, but you guys loved it. Yeah, she had big doula energy. Like She was just like <laughs> <laughs> telling us to breathe through it. Yeah. <laughs> Which was great. Chad is genius. Yes, that's exactly right. She, she, she was the death doula to, to, to all of pop culture, yeah. Uh, no, but it was, yeah, right. It was. She was giving birth to Lil Nas X. Okay, yeah, was, was absolutely. Happening. Okay, a much more optimistic way of looking yeah. at it. Yeah. I, I hope she hosts the show for years, years, <laughs> years to come. She's so good at this. Yes. Yeah, I, li- I definitely liked her a lot more this year because it was just so welcome with everything else happening. It was just like, it was like, okay, this is the exact level of calm that like I need for this show. Like there's a lot happening. There's a lot of confusion for me personally about how this show is even going on tonight like it's just it was nice absolutely she's the thorazine <laughs> chill we need right now right that's what that's yeah it's not thc it's like thorazine yeah it's, yeah it's, it's like it's like thorazine it's borderline <laughs> propofol is really yeah. what it was yes <laughs> with all respect like but, the, the mall where lana bought her outfit is undoubtedly uh, the, the same mall where her where, and alicia ran into each other <laughs> at that tulsa oklahoma mall where she was sh- stopped into the dillers and got her 500 dollars dress <laughs> I'd love to know, uh, maybe I'll ask uh, David Wilde sometime, the exact thought process behind the parody song that Alicia performed that was clearly supposed to start the show, but then they decided they, they just couldn't lose it. They loved it so much that they kept it for the second segment. And it was set to a uh, to a Lewis Capaldi song. Yes. Uh, I'd love to know like all the different options they went with before they decided on Lewis Capaldi's song and then the making of each joke. It was fascinating. I was slightly dumbfounded I by that. I love Lewis Capaldi just sitting in the front row too <laughs> while Alicia yeah. Keys sings his song, yeah. even though he was nominated that night. <laughs> He's like, guess this is the only time I'm getting mentioned yeah. in the show. <laughs> just uh, him giving two thumbs up to Alicia Keys when she asks yeah. if it's okay mid-song if she can sing his song. <laughs> you know, I can picture that so vividly that that actually should be a meme. The Lewis Capaldi two thumbs up. I, someone's got to freeze yeah, frame that. because beautiful. He had a very strange expression on his face. That's just his face all the time. (laughs) Are we sure like he's really the guy who sings those songs and they didn't just kind of pull him out from somewhere? Like the whole Louis Capaldi thing is is very confusing to me. He similarly has a very stoned energy and so it matched well with Alicia. It really did. They just bounced off each other. They really did. They really did. Also, I love how that's how Billy Crystal used to open the Oscars every year. Like, I'm going to do a show tune medley about every movie that's nominated for anything and worked in all these like corny current events jokes and I was like Alicia Keys clearly taking over as the Billy Crystal of the Grammys and I hope that means she she runs for decades to come now I noted yeah. that she said I'm just so proud to be standing here and I was convinced she was sitting down at the piano when she said that but 
perhaps it was a standing piano. I don't know. I'd like to nail this down. One commenter said that I was wrong and that, and that it was a standing piano, but I actually kind of, I made sure she, she was sitting, but for her sitting, she standing, was sitting at yeah. the damn piano. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah she yeah. was sitting at that piano. Yeah, so, so that's just kind of made me laugh. Like, I'm just so proud to be standing here and she's sitting. It's just something so like, like it, they didn't even bother. Like the text was pre Kobe, you know? And so it's just nothing yes. was, nothing even matched up. It was just, <laughs> she's so good. Also at the end, when it was time to sort of move it along, she handled the move it along thing. Like, when it was like, oh, it's 11.30 when the show is supposed to end and we're just <laughs> beginning the gigantic fame medley. And at that point, like when it was time to give out the last, you know, three, the biggest awards of the night, and Alicia Keys was like, okay, I'm going to do all this in about six minutes. She was able to make haste in a way that was still really chill. Also, I love just the beauty of her giving Best New Artist to Billie yeah. Eilish when Alicia Keys won Best New Artist the year Billie Eilish was born. Yeah. It was just a beautiful <laughs> passing passing of the torch. And they recently <laughs> sang Ocean Eyes together recently when she was Whoa, guest hosting on James Corden. It was very good. It was the same week that Harry guest hosted, so I watched. I think the, o- the, <laughs> the only fair thing is Billie Eilish should have to give Best New Artist to a seven-year-old in seven years. <laughs> like, just, 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 just so she knows how it feels. Uh, actually, let's talk about Billie for a minute. First person I've ever seen in an award show actively praying not to win an award. Uh, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment, and it was a real Gen Z meets Gen X moment and very heartwarming in some ways, but it also did make me feel whether the other element was she didn't, you know, it's not cool. I wonder if she sees it this way. It's not that cool to be loved so much by the Academy with all its flaws. Do you think that that was part of it? That is, it's just yeah. a little uncomfortable to be, if you're supposed to be like every teen's favorite thing and yet, yet all these old people are like, you're great. It's, there's something <laughs> like a little off about that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very clear. I think there is a part of her that does, she does want, like she wants, she's been doing this forever, but like I think that the amount of pressure and even in her new song, Everything I Wanted, like she does kind of address that sort of like, here I got everything I wanted, but like... <laughs> cool i mean is that it like it's like one of those things so it does seem like she's grappled with that in a lot of recent interviews even in our cover story with her she's talked a lot about sort of all the accolades and the pressure that she's the biggest artist right now in the world and like people caring very much and like she just kind of like she likes having the hits but she just kind of wants to chill and not have the big four for the first time since christopher cross so (laughs) (laughs) And there's also a little bit of a, you know, a potential curse there. It's just, I, she'll be fine, but it's, you know, it's not necessarily what you want. Yeah. yeah you know, the, you don't want the uh, the Christopher Cross uh, career path. But let's talk about Aerosmith. <laughs> that that wasn't good. That was... Uh, no. Yeah. It was so bad, I almost forgot it happened until yeah. you brought it up right this second. <laughs> you know what? Well, also, I love the whole drama all week at... Speaking as an Aerosmith fan, okay, Aerosmith fans are the ones who care about this stuff. The fact that Joey Kramer, the one member of the band who never quit besides Steven Tyler, the one guy besides Steven Tyler who's been in every lineup of this mind-blowingly chaotic and melodramatic and drug-ravaged band, is suddenly out of the band because he's not up to their standards of competence. And then they do that, and it's like, hard to imagine exactly how this could have been worse with Joey Kramer showing up. Right, yeah, as I said, you know, Joey Kramer just could not live up to the rigid performance standards of 2020 Aerosmith. And and the fact that, you know, that they were supposed to win the Music Cares Humanitarian of the Year, it's like they looked at, you know, Fleetwood Mac winning that a couple of years ago and saying, you know, a standard has been set for like how to blow up a long running back 
rock band in a spectacularly ugly way when they're winning this industry oh, humanitarian award. Good they were point. like, we can meet your anti Fleetwood Mac. We can like <laughs> actually have security guards bar our drummer from the venue. To uh, give the backstory on that, basically, apparently, that was the moment that Lindsey Buckingham got himself fired from the band by being a, a, an alleged dick during the acceptance speeches of the, the Music Cares thing. So, yeah. talk about a curse. Don't accept that award. Absol- yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, this is, you know, the one week of, let's face it, the one week of all time that people are supposed to be talking about Aerosmith, humanitarians, absolute humanitarians. <laughs> and instead, it turns into drama like this. For an Aerosmith fan, we love this stuff because something we love about our band is, is how awesomely self-sabotaging they are at all moments. And this was such a perfect example that this should have been also a triumphant performance. It's like 50 years and still doing it. And they do a terrible non-hit from 1993, Living on the Edge. Inexplicable choice. I think I know why though. I think I, I think I think Stephen was like, you know, man, it speaks to the it speaks to the moment because he was giving a lot of emphasis to certain lines. Like, there's something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So I, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure I can accept this as a, as an adequate explanation. <laughs> I'm not saying it makes sense, but I'm, I bet that's why. Just the performance that should have been like a thing for you know, like all the. You know, moms and dads out in TV land to be able to say, like, see, this is this is why, you know, Aerosmith mattered. And it was not a good calling card for their band. It's it's not a clip that you would put in a time capsule for this band. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, this is weren't they at the VMAs last year to announce their Vegas residency, which is also similarly a year before with Post Malone. Yeah. Yeah. I just I think they should have learned from that situation that maybe the just sit out the award shows let them that was better than this honestly that was way better in retrospect yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) definitely was and then more generally this thing of that they're still doing the run dmc aerosmith thing yeah it's like it's stunning every time someone goes you know would be amazing and no one's ever done this before this would be the first time that what if we got run dmc and aerosmith back together like how many times does this happen on award shows and on the Super Bowl? And it's like, and Rob doesn't even like it in the first place. It's like, no! <laughs> it's def- if, if you love Aerosmith and you run DMC, it is like a constant agony that this is the thing that they're supposed to be famous for. Is, you know, something that they spent just a few hours, you know, blowing off in 1986 for no other reason than a goofy novelty hit, which it became. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, Jeff Edger's great book about walk this way which just came out last year which is all about how this entire song destroyed run dmc while completely saving aerosmith and it's really really sad that run and dmc got back together for this for an award show for one time only to do somebody else's song that they hate and always hated also like what what a missed opportunity for two great grammy moments in heavy quotations around it in that I would have rather heard Steven Tyler belt out Cause I Love You with Lizzo. That would have been a great moment, and I would still like to hear it at some point so in my true. life. And also, Run DMC, what if they had just stuck him into the Young Thug part since Young Thug did not show up for Lil Nas X's performance? That It says the exact same thing that they want to say with Walk This Way, but with just better a better combination. And it's just, it's like, that's the only thing that ever happened in the history of both rap and rock worth commemorating, that one day in 1986. Like, this is apparently... All of hip hop and rock history has been reduced to this one collaboration. It's it's enough already. Let that be the final. Like, let's not do that anymore. <laughs> They've even busted down the wall again. You can't just keep building up the wall and busting it down. Once it's knocked down, <laughs> Little Nas X already did that. Right. Like, it's like, also like one of the most like genre blurred years, period. But also for the Grammys, and it was just like 
clearly with every artist that had been nominated, everything that made their album successful was about not caring about rap versus rock and pop and R&B and what those genre lines mean. And every single artist was breaking down those barriers that night. And to like go back to this moment that, like you had said, like it was not that great for either act. <laughs> I mean, for Aerosmith, like whatever, but like it just is not the best of of either of their worlds. No, absolutely not. And yeah, it would have been, like you said, it would have been so great to hear Steven Tyler with Lizzo. It would have been so great to hear, you know, Run DMC with Lil Nas X. This was like really kind of worst possible use of yeah. like these band skill sets. And and it's really sad for Aerosmith, which is, you know, this is the only 50th anniversary live TV celebration they're going to have. And that they spent it doing Living on the Edge and their Run DMC duet. It's yeah. a real sad, honestly, it was a sad night for fans of Boston rock and roll, like with <laughs> given that it was the same night that they spilled Rick Ocasek's first name wrong. Yeah. We had a rough night. Yeah. Lizzo was incredible in her opening, and I feel like what I was seeing was someone who really had been seasoned by, like, you know, she's out there playing arenas, and you could really feel it. I feel like even just if you look at all her big TV performances, like, she's been good on TV from the start, but I felt she'd really come to a place of mastery. I was really impressed yeah. with what she did. And it felt like a very good sort of, like, she's going to clearly move on to another era now. She's, I mean, I think she's done promoting songs from two, three years ago, so it, it was a nice sort of, like, bookend to all to truth hurts to everything and kind of showing what she's capable of as a singer with cause I love you. And then also as a fantastic dancer, as a flutist, like just everything about it. I mean, bringing out the ballerinas with the do rat, like it was just, it was a really great, like very black performance, very excellent performance from one of the best new artist nominees. And our cover star and the cover story, the genius cover story by Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. What did you see from just, it's always like after you spend time with someone, then you see them in a big performance like this, it always kind of rings bells with stuff she said to you. So what, what, what kind of, what kind of resonated with you from your conversation? With I her? mean, it was great to see her win in a pop category right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, up against Beyonce, Taylor, Ariana. I mean, I think a lot of the big, it, like a lot of the big conversation around her over the last year is like, is she pop? Like, is she a rapper? Like, what does that mean? Like, where does she stand? And again, that's like, that song is like the perfect distillation of how rap is pop. Like how it's just like none of that kind of matters. Like this song came out of nowhere and is like such a weird trajectory and truth hurts to win a pop category right off the bat against so many pop heavyweights was a phenomenal moment. And also she is someone who does care about the Grammy. She was very excited about a nomination. She was the most nominated of the night. She wanted those Grammy nominations. She's been working on it for a decade. Like it does matter to her. And so I think to, See her have that moment to shine and also taking home some awards was phenomenal. Much like Aerosmith, Demi Lovato is in a constant state of comeback or attempted comeback. And and I, I think it was Bernie tweeted that <laughs> how many Demi Lovato comebacks are we as a nation need to be subjected she to? Loves, she loves a sobriety ballad. She does it very often. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for her, but until you said that, I was like, wait, is she coming I mean, back? Okay. Wait, is this? Because is, I, I just can't. It's an unending sort of. It, I, is, what is she coming back from now? She she overdosed a couple years ago. Oh, I mean, okay. it's, a, it's a very dark moment yeah. in her life. Yeah. And I understand. And I love Demi Lovato. I think she's a phenomenal singer. I think she deserves her due. But she's. All her dance songs are so good. And it's so. I'm glad that she's doing this, but I'm hoping that she goes back to her dance pop demi that's always my concern when she has a comeback album because that's going to be all ballads love her singing 
but I think she makes great dance songs. Underrated as a pop star, completely. I would like the dance songs. I think that was the moment where I was just like, this is just too many ballads. It's too many ballads. It's too many yeah. pianos. Like someone just like, instead of smashing the wall between Aerosmith and Run DMC, just smash a piano, please. And it's uh, also like, yeah. she's been so ignored by the Grammys her entire career. It just felt like weird that they were like, we're going to use her for this like clout moment of here's Demi's big comeback moment when she's like, not, I don't think she's been nominated at all. Like she's a, a lot of great albums. There's a lot of great Demi albums that have been ignored by the Grammys and by the general public. And I think that she deserves that moment, but I hope it's not all ballads. Ha. She was just <laughs> on the show a couple of years ago yeah. when they gave a Lifetime Achievement Award to Barry Gibb and mm-hmm. d- did songs only from 1978. And Demi sang, to be very blunt, a not great version <laughs> of, of Staying Alive in a not great Barry Gibb medley. It was the kind of thing of like, you know, it's not like this is, yeah, it was it was a very strange moment, and it was strange to put it on the Grammys. Would have loved an emotionally taxing version of Cool for the Summer, but <laughs> we did not get that, and that's fine. We'll Grammys. see what happens next. Maybe she and Selena will remake Princess Protection Program. We really need that as we a nation. We really need that we as a nation. Princess Protection Program, <laughs> 10 years later? Yeah. How great would that be? It would be so good. She has to go hide out again in <laughs> Selena's family? Like... <laughs> The soundtrack. You can have that idea for free, Disney. (laughs) I'm tossing your pearls here. Very generous. Brittany wanted to talk about all the family values, all the parent love going on at the 61st Grammys. Yeah. The song of the year was Moms and Dads. It was a lot, a lot of parent love, a lot of like Camila's first man song, which they kept teasing as like very romantic and so everyone was just like dreading that it'd be another Sean Mendez well, that yeah. it was like about her dad I was just like this is like a weird way to lead up to that weird. but it was a very sweet moment even though it was another ballad it was a very tender moment where she like is singing to her very tearful father in the front row it was cute I cried it was very adorable and then Tyler Crater's mom showing up on stage just like hysterical when he won and bringing her out it was just he also calls her bro <laughs> She was like, when he needed to make the speech, he was like, one second, bro, yeah. <laughs> which I loved. And, and Ariana yeah. changing the last verse of Thank You Next. Yeah. So, you know, I hadn't realized Ariana had reached that rapprochement with her dad. So changing the last verse to where her dad is now awesome. That was unexpected. And, mm-hmm. and that was a that was a real emotional moment for me. I just feel that she perhaps was a little over the whole thing, which is totally cool. If she'd gotten to sing the same song, one of the same songs that last year, she would have been happier. But what are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. And it's also been like nearly two years of rolling out two massive albums and having like a constant like not I mean with a bunch of traumatic stuff happening in between that but to roll that out be on tour for nine months especially coming off of a huge tragedy why the sweetener came out and then I don't know it's just like seems like a lot has been going on so (laughs) and and the sort of takes a break and the, the and the sort of regal over it attitude she had it was kind of cool in a way you know yeah. it, it definitely was cool so what are you gonna do speaking of deep love there is no love deeper than that between the grammy ceremony and gary clark jr <laughs> ken ehrlich loves gary clark jr gary clark jr is extremely talented great guitarist seems to be edging his way towards figuring out what to do on record his album this land was definitely his best by far and the title track is this awesome sort of political racial statement that's fantastic and anti-racist statement that said, the Grammys just love him too much. It's just too, it, there's almost, they almost fetishize him and they give him these spots that are just out of line with his popularity. He, he was almost the closer of the show. Yeah. And it was with the roots. It was a great performance, but you're still like, why is this? It 
it's because of this special relationship. The Grammys want to marry Gary Clark Jr. They, 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 <laughs> well, or like I said, maybe change the Grammy statue into a little Gary Clark Jr. They just they just love him too much. And it's just, I think their love is suffocating. And it's bad for him because it makes him, it's just, it's bad. It's weird. He's, I don't know. He's the new Dave Grohl where they just, he's the on-call rocker. It's, that If they need if they yeah. need someone in there, they'll place him absolutely, in. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And Next year, he'll be jamming with the Chili Peppers on some stadium arcade. Yes, exactly. Him and Frusciante just Frusciante, guitar exactly. dueling. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Frusciante clearly does Twi- not want anyone else. anniversary no. of, by the way. <laughs> no. Frusciante clearly doesn't want any other guitarists on stage or else they wouldn't have summarily <laughs> executed Josh Klinghoffer. But that, that is a whole other podcast perhaps to come. We'll see. But, you know, and, and I am worried that, that her, H-E-R, is, to be clear, who I'm a big fan of, I'm slightly worried that she is in danger of being Gary Clarked by the Grammys and by all awards show because she's an incredibly compelling live performer who can just like whip out a guitar solo, play piano. And so they're always going to kind of do that over embrace with her as well. It's hard to explain, but there's just a, it worries me that people will see her as like a corny fave of various recording academy type things and not as like a really vital artist. So it's like, uh, you know, she had that song slide this really great. She's great. I think. Yeah, she's great. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> those are both great live performances like in theory yeah. you could question but you know they just put them in the wrong place yeah there's just something 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 there something is not uh you know it's it's just the not- hers performance last year at her first grammys was very good it was like nice to see her kind of like have that moment and yeah, she, I mean, she's consistently awesome as a live performer. There's just there's just something about the way award shows use her that, that sometimes mm-hmm. uh, worries me a touch. But I think it's also like her songs can be really fun, and I think that can be eclipsed by kind of just using her as, as a like a beacon of instrument playing authenticity or something like that. Yeah. I think I think that's my concern. But she's aware of all that too, and she she'll she'll be just fine. Um, speaking of weird uses of people, the Gwen Stefani. The Gwen Stefani, you know, country music. She's appropriated a lot of cultures with uh, with uh, chart success. I don't think country music is going to be one of them. It's just not. It's she's no good in that in that context. I'm, I hate to say it. Love you, Gwen. Stop with the country. No, no. It was That's, not not a good Gwen moment. No. If only Gwen and Blake and Alicia had a high profile <laughs> network TV <laughs> platform to publicize their friendship. I can't imagine how that duet was chosen for this show. <laughs> I can't keep track. Are they all? still active judges on that show i don't i no longer i, I think so i think they yeah. just interchange between it was like kelly clarkson <laughs> comes in miley's been coming in let's um, just say the failure of adam levine to show up last night was a, a very pleasant play. yeah he, he was getting tattooed he, had, <laughs> he, he realized he had a couple remaining inches of his body that i would have taken him. an adam levine walk this way over <laughs> so many things <laughs> <laughs> he would definitely have not worn a shirt for Just that. Adam I mean, Levine yeah. and, and Wiz Khalifa, and it would have been great. <laughs> so next year is going to be really, really interesting because the Grammys are going to have a new producer. It's going to be a new thing. It's funny, if you were given the job of, of producing the Grammys from scratch, I bet, ironically... I wouldn't be surprised if the first year would end up more conservative than this year because if you went too far, then suddenly the network starts panicking and you want to prove that you're, you're not throwing out every tradition. So it, it's a very paradoxical thing. And I also wonder whether people will start to realize that the problem is more the awards than the – that if you fix the awards, then you can get people like Drake and stuff will come back. And then yeah. it, it, fix the awards, then perhaps you fix the show because the show, as, as Rob said, isn't, isn't necessarily the problem. It's – demonstrated that artists sincerely care about these awards and it's also demonstrated that literally nobody else does 
only artists care about these mm-hmm. awards. And something that's made the Grammys like so consistently good is that it's focused on, you know, people like we mentioned her and Gary Clark Jr., who were like great live performers who did not necessarily dominate the charts, but they made it the show and they didn't really worry about the connection with the awards. You know, and think about Natalie Cole winning for her, her pre-hologram duet with her dad years ago. I mean, it's been even worse, if anything. And just people just kind of used to shrug more at it, but they're done shrugging. Uh, and it's going to change, clearly. So that's uh, been our show about the Grammys. I'm Brian Hyde. I was in the studio with Brittany Spanos and Rob Sheffield. Thanks again to them, as always, for showing up. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Rolling Stone Music Now here on Sirius XM Volume, Channel 106. In the meantime, we are a podcast. Download us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us as a podcast also, please. And maybe leave us a review on iTunes. Nice or not, they're all appreciated, especially the nice ones. We will definitely see you next week. And as always, thanks for listening. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord! We get it! They have chemistry! Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.